God, Yeshua. How in the Old Testament they wouldn't even say the, they wouldn't even say the word God. They wouldn't even write it down because they had such reverence for this mighty, amazing God that we come to worship today. Let us have that kind of reverence as we stand before the Lord and worship. And those that are watching online, as you would just close your eyes right now, and I want you to picture you're on this road. And as you're walking, you're off in the distance, you see, you see this figure coming towards you, and you realize that it's Jesus coming towards you on this road that you're walking on. And I want you to think what's going through your mind right now. How would you, how would you possibly react? Are you going to fall to your knees? Or are you going to fall on your knees and ask him forgive? Are you going to, are you, how are you going to rejoice? I know it's hard to comprehend because if you're watching online, if you're here in this room, we can only imagine, but we can't really comprehend but you're on that road, and we're all on this road together. Some of us are just in different places on that same road. But what would you like to say when you open your eyes and you're standing before the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Creator of heaven and earth, things seen and unseen? What would you want to say to Him now, in this moment, when you stand and you're there eye to eye, or whether you fall to your knees and bow and you raise your hands up, what would you want to say to your Lord and Savior this day? This moment, can you imagine? And Lord, to understand is today is the second day of Advent, that second week of preparation for the celebration of your birth, Father God, that you would search our hearts and any iniquities that need to be in there, Father God, some that we may not be aware about. Lord, would you touch those, Lord? Would you make those aware as we come to you and say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for what we've made it, Father. And Lord, let us make it all about you this day. That whatever we have to lay at your altar, at your feet today, metaphorically, God, that we're going to do it. Let us leave differently than that we came in through these doors, Father God. Let us leave filled completely in awe, in reverence, in joy of your presence, God. Open our minds and our hearts and our eyes. Give us that 2020 spiritual vision to see you and hear your voice. Because we want to know you. In your most precious and holy name above all names, the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray and the church said, amen. I don't know, did you want to say anything today? Come on. Pastor Sadie's going to come up and, well, it's up to you. Yeah. Good morning. Well, yesterday, um, you know, we had a really great crowd and we were... Uh, giving out toys and you know it was really um, awesome for me I'm because that's you know I love kids and just but as the day went on um, I became sadder and sadder and um, I couldn't sleep I tossed and turned I was talking to God what's going on with me Lord because it's not me you know I'm not I'm pretty much always upbeat and it was because as I looked at the parents that came for the toys I wanted to give those kids so much more. I wanted to give them parents that knew God. Because as I looked in their faces, the sin was apparent. Sometimes you can see sin. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you can see it. Because it's destructive and it's death. So what I really wanted to do was tell them all, I have something else for you. Something that will save your life. Something that will give you everything you ever wanted. 
that will satisfy your deepest needs, the things that you're running to are killing you. Let's be, let's be frank. What is it? What? Drugs? Alcohol? Sex? Crime? I don't know. Money? What is, all, you know, there's no new stuff under the sun, right? It's all the same stuff. The devil doesn't have a whole lot of new arsenal. It's the same sin. I love the part in The Chosen where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, Nicodemus says, he says to him, I came to, he said, what did you come here to do? And Jesus said, I came here to bring a kingdom. And so Nicodemus is thinking, oh, he's going to fight the Romans. Good. Okay. The people are in oppression. And, and Jesus said, no, not that kind of kingdom. I came to save the people from sin. Sin. Mm. I'm listening to uh, Swindoll right now, and he says, having a little bit of sin in your life is like having a little rattlesnake in your bed. And as a Christian, you know, there's two kinds of sin. I don't know if you guys ever thought about this, but there's two kinds of sin. One is called, the Bible calls it a cherished sin. It's a sin where there is no repentance, no turning. This sin is meeting my need, and I'm not going to give it up, and I don't want God to touch it. And guess what? There's no forgiveness for that sin. Because the pardon, there's no... There's no pardon for something that you're not receiving back from, the covenant that we are in. As a Christian, we sin, right? I'm always up here telling you we're going to sin, right? I mean, he loves us through our sin. But, but it's a sin that we say, Lord, free me from. I don't want to sin. I want to be obedient to you. I want to live intimately with you. I don't, I don't want to have sin in my life. And guess what? He takes care of it. He has, I, I, I'm a sinner. I've, I've been through years in my life that were, that were broken in a, a disaster, but he is the one that freed me. Yeah. I can't free myself. The law will never satisfy. The flesh can try and try. We can set tomorrow and say, okay, I'm going to be perfect today. I am not going to sin. Is that going to work, right? Our flesh, maybe it'll earn it. Maybe it'll work for a little bit. But see, if our, if our needs are being met by something other than Jesus, we're going to keep going back to that. So what's the answer? It's to intimately know him, to crave his presence more than anything else. Jesus came to set us free from sin. Sin's a big problem, life or death. You know, they don't preach it in a lot of churches anymore because nobody wants to hear the word repent. But that was Jesus' message, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Because in heaven, I can assure you, there won't be any sin. We're not going to take it with us. So I was just thinking as I watched these people come and go with toys and how wonderful that is, how much how I wanted to give them something so much more. Oh, Father. Now they all agreed to come back Christmas Eve and Bob's going to give the, the message and it's going to be about Jesus coming as a baby to give us life and, and I'm praying that... that that they do come and they hear that message. And I, and I, I did get to pray over a few of them and, and I talked about God when I could, but my heart was just broken, just broken when the ravages of sin in their lives. And there's a handful of gals that were pregnant and um, I'm praying for those babies. Didn't touch them, but I was praying for their babies, you know, and um, so that was kind of yesterday. Yeah. Um, I have uh, two more drives next Saturday and the Sunday after that. So um, if you know anyone that needs toys, um, let them know. We will be here. Um, and I love you guys. Um, 
you know, going forward uh, with this church, it's going to be messy. I mean, yesterday was messy. I had some, you know, issues with some people. I mean, it's, it's just going to be messy because people are messy. Yeah. But church is not about, it's not a country club that we come to please ourselves. It's not a place where we come to have our nice church service. It's a hospital. That's right. Jesus said, I came to save for the sick, right? I didn't come for the religious or the perfect people. I came for the sick and the broken. So we're going to go forward, and it's, it's, going to have, it's, going to be, it's not going to be easy all the time. But God's going to do amazing things That's right. if our hearts are right with him. So love you guys. Mary, Mary uh, the kids keep telling me it's 18 days till Christmas. So, Are you keeping track? They're keeping track. Thank you, Sandy. It's Christmas. <laughs> I love that. I love what Sandy said. I, I just, she is always so spot on. And uh, so I, I kind of knew. I kind of knew because I know what she wanted to give for those kids. It's much more than a toy. And I always talk about our ministries, really, they're really secondary. Some of these things that we do, we call them side door ministry, whether it's a toy. But it's what, what, do, what does God provide for us when a family comes in for a toy? What do we do when people come in for the first time that don't know Christ and it's a Christmas Eve and you give them a, a cup of hot chocolate. God has given us that opportunity. He's telling us, I'm giving you an opportunity. I've sent them your way. These are my lambs that I need to re- get back to me, to redeem back. Remember since the book of Genesis that God has been in the business of redemption. So we have to pay, we have to pay attention that that is our opportunities. And once they're out that door, we don't know if they're coming back. So we've got to look at every single opportunity that God has given us for every single person that walks through this door. And it was only seconds. By the time they'd come in the door and they'd meet me at that table and I'd send them back through the room and here come, I knew the sense of urgency. I had critical seconds to get as much as I can about Restoration Community Church, what we're about, give them a personal invitation. We'd love to have you join us. We always have room. Because if we don't, we'll figure out how to make more room. Critical seconds. And when people come into a church, we know statistically, seven minutes from the time they pull into the parking lot, that's what we have. Statistics say whether they're going to decide whether they're going to come back to the church. Seven minutes from the time they leave their vehicle, walk through that door, and that's a long time before you get to the sermon. They've already decided whether they want to come back or not. Critical minutes. So our ministry starts out in the parking lot. Hey, good morning hey, we're, we're going to be looking for a golf cart. We want to be able to get people from those cars up to the... What do you, I always have trouble with that area with the covering. What is that called? What is that called, Mark? What is it? Canopy. Can, canopy port, yeah. So I always think, you know, we're going to be able to put people in a golf cart, bring them up to there, and, and we're not looking to buy one. We want, we want a good one, even a new one donated. That's, we put that on the altar. We pray for stuff like that because God will provide. But I'm just saying that these are moments when Sandy was sharing what she was sharing. And that, I didn't hear this until just now as you did. She didn't come home and tell me that she was hurting because that's not the gift she really wants to give. But I know her heart breaks for them. And I'm, so as we gather together and we pray for these parents and stuff, I think about those 27 that were just in that hour that I was stood in here. But I know they started coming earlier in when I had left. I think, I think you and I just left and when they started coming in. So opportunity is here. If we're not here, who's going to be here? We've got to be able to create that. At least one of us need to be here to be able to say, I'll, I'll take that hour, I'll take that shift, or whatever it talks, so we don't miss that opportunity. Amen? 
So we're going to talk about love and go in their scriptures. So let me pray for this moment, Father God, as we come to your precious word, Father God, these, as we always, even this morning we discussed these 66 amazing love letters that you've left for us, Father God, to digest, Lord, to learn, to glean from, to grow from, Father God. We give you the praise and glory and as we are in the second week of Advent, this, this time of preparation that we, we, pre- we would prepare our hearts, Father God, as we celebrate. What is it, what does our love look like and what does your love look like, God? And, and, and God, we, we, we know that we may never be able to obtain that kind of love that, that you have, God, but God, we wanna understand as much as we can. We wanna live it as much as we can. We wanna serve it as much as we can. God, we just want to be your instrument here in this ministry of Restoration Community Church, God, that who you send our way, that you would whisper in her ear and say, thank you. I've been trying to get someone to talk to her. Thank you. I've been trying to get someone to talk to him. Thank you for showing up. And Lord, we give you this praise and we give you the glory in your precious and holy name, Jesus Christ, we pray. And the church said, amen. Well, I'm going to start with the scripture. I'm going to start, I want to start with God, then I'm going to tell you what I love. John 3, 16, you could do a thousand sermons on the scripture alone, but listen to this amazing love that God has. And I know you've known this because you've been part of the church a long time. You've been believers a long time. You know this scripture well. But I want you to look for the lie in this scripture because the world looks at it and says it's a lie. And I want, I'm gonna point that out to you because when the world looks at it, they say that's a lie. And if they feed into that lie, then they won't show up. Then they won't give them. We gotta turn that around. For God so loved the world. The first lie is that God doesn't love the world. He's got, he allows COVID. He allows tornadoes. He allows tsunamis. He allows earthquakes. He allows disasters. He allows people to be shot. He allows babies to die. That's not true. God loves us unconditionally because he sent his only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I don't know if I can give up my son for somebody. Probably not because I don't understand that depth of love. Would I give my life up for my children? You bet. Would I give my life up for my wife? You bet. Would I give up my life for you? I certainly pray to God that I would, because that's what, that, that, that would be my ultimate sacrifice for you. You're my brother, you're my sisters. That's what God tells me. There was a story of a child in China that they brought up, and I wanted this pastor to denounce her, to denounce Christianity. And they brought the pastor of this little girl up. They put the rifle in his hand. He said, you shoot her if she doesn't denounce Christianity. And you know what she said to her pastor? Go ahead, I will not denounce Jesus Christ. Her own pastor had to pull that trigger. It's one of the most amazing, heart-wrenching stories I ever ever read. Go ahead, pastor, do it. Because I will not deny Jesus Christ. So for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, you see, he's a God that whoever, that's why I'm saying we gotta take this opportunity that whoever walks through that door, we gotta make sure that whoever walks through that door, I don't care if they're white, black, pink, purple, I don't care if they're homeless, I don't care if they're down and out, I don't care if they don't smell like me, whoever, God is telling me and you that whoever believes, and how do we get there? Because we're his instrument. We can't fix them, we can't turn them around. We can't, all we can do is say through the love of Jesus Christ, look, I'm gonna introduce you to my Jesus that loves me, will love you, he created you with a purpose. Whoever believes, isn't that amazing? He didn't say just this color or that color or that race or that, nobody. Isn't that amazing? Even the sinner of all sinners that we look at and say, oh my God, how could he love someone like that? We were talking about people this morning. We're talking about the Ted Bundys and the John Wayne Gacy. We're talking about people. We know that there was world leaders that massively killed people. But if they turned around and said, Lord, 
I forgive, I repent my sin. Do you know where they're gonna be? In heaven. How do we comprehend that? Whoever believes him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What a gift. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Wow, that's a love that I can't even comprehend because I can't give that to you. You can't give that to me. Those that are watching online, you can't give that to us. I can't give that to you. For God, how is that possible to love something so vast? When we say, for God to love the world, we just rattle it off. I don't know, was it 1.5 billion people in the world? And he loves them all. For God so loved the world that says, hey, I'm sending you an invitation. I'm gonna send my son to die. And that was the invitation. You know, we, we, we have an invitation, we hand out cards. You know what the invitation for Christ, for God was? It was written on his son, the stripes. That was the invitation. So now let me tell you what I love. It doesn't even compare. I love my Sandy. I love my two sons, Jeremy and Jason. I love my daughter, my Lee. I love going to the movies, especially if it's a comedy. I like to laugh. I love bacon, extra crispy, extra, extra crispy. I love eggs over medium well. I love pasta, I love pizza, I love lasagna, I love meatloaf, I love bologna. I love Swiss cheese. I love grilled cheese sandwiches with a slice of tomato on it. I love root beer floats. I love riding my trike, just listening to worship music. I love the Christmas season. Lee and I were talking about a little bit this yesterday. I just love this part of the, this is an amazing part of the season, joy. I love world travel. I lived in countries around the world. I lived in Japan, Greece. I lived in Korea. I love my lifetime friendships that mean so much to me. I love tomatoes. I love eating tomatoes. I love uh, just being at the river's edge, wherever I go, if I could find a river. I love sitting at the river's edge, just listening to the water. I love being on the ocean, listening to the, to the, the ocean, listening to the, the, the waves come in and crack on the beach. Every, it's like a different sound. I love fishing, fresh water. I love my Marine Corps career as I served my country, donning that uniform on every day. I love learning. I told God I'd be a committed learner for the rest of my life. And as I approach the last part of my doctorate, I'm, I'm, I'm asking God, okay, what's next? Because I love learning God. I love the snow. I love my purpose in Christ that he's given to me. I love art. God's given me the ability to draw and paint art. And I haven't shared that with everybody, but I found that out years ago when I was painting somewhere. Somebody said they wanted to bring my paintings into an art, actually a museum. And then I stopped because I knew then it would be a bigger demand, but God's given me that ability. I love art. I love the study of scripture because it's so much more than just the words on the surface. It's like looking at the Titanic, knowing that down below the surface, and have you ever been on a ship, and those are watching, if Monty, you're watching, you know if you've been on a Navy ship or any kind of a ship, you see only part of that ship above, but down below, it could be 15 stories, only part of it sticking out of the water. I love the study of scripture. I love developing and cultivating my prayer life. I love my time alone with God. I love black olives. I love technology for the good. I love serving Christ. I love sharing my faith. I love trusting God. I love the journey. I'm not the type of guy who likes to arrive. That's pretty boring. So I'm a journey person. There's people that like to get to where they get and they're settled in. Not me. There's always a journey out there. And when we serve God, there's always that journey. It's never about settling in. We never, we never, there's a word called, have you plateaued in your relationship with Jesus Christ? I write no. No, no, no. Because there's so much more beyond what I even know right now. 
I love Jesus. I've learned to fall in love with my Jesus. I love the burning fireplace when we were down in Georgia. It was the first house I ever had with a real fireplace. And I remember once we got it fixed, I couldn't wait to put firewood on it. Just watch that fireplace burn and sit there and, and watch, the, watch the ambers. And I started to realize even with the fireplace, God was speaking to me because I was those hot ambers. And I thought as I would watch them fall off and you see those who end up separated from the main flame, the ambers, they, they, they just die out. And I thought about Christians are like that. They're, they're on fire for a little while. And, and now I'm even told by Christians that told me when I gave my life to Christ, it's all going to wear off. You're just a baby Christian. I said, I don't think so. I don't think so. And it hasn't. But those ambers, and you think about your life, and maybe where you're attached, has, has your, have you kind of gotten cold in that glow? You don't have that glow. And people need to walk up to you and say, hey, I don't know what you got, but I want it. There's something that just glows about you. Well, it's my life with Jesus Christ. I love my dogs. I've had plenty of them. Right now we have Wesley and Cinderella. They found us in a very tough moment. We had just lost our dogs and they found us. I love living in the country. I'm not a city boy, but I'll go there. I grew up in part of Brooklyn and New York at my aunt's house. I love kraut dogs, wiener schnitzels. First thing I think everywhere I go, do they have a wiener schnitzels? I love my kraut dogs, my Chicago dogs. I love that. I love grilled swordfish on a, on a barbecue grill. I don't know if you ever had it, with lemon pepper. It's so good. I love to go to Chinese buffets. I love yum-yums right up the road. And on the turkey, I love white meat. I'm not one for the legs and all that stuff. And I love mashed potatoes and gravy. Now, that's just a few things that I love. How do I compare that? You can't. I can't compare them things with the love that God has for the world. It's impossible. How do I compare and say, Lord, I can love like you because I bet you love mashed potatoes like I love them with that good old brown gravy. No, that doesn't compare. Even as much as I love my wife and my children, I have to turn them over to God knowing that he loves them more than I can because he had them first before he gave them to me. And they're all in Teplon, our kids. And we love them. But we're only limited by the, all that we can and I don't know if we could ever reach that level. So God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. In Luke 2, 18, 14, it says, shepherds in the angels and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. You see, here it was, we, 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 we read these stories, but if you put yourself, if you ever put yourself, can you imagine what it must have been like the first time? Even though they anticipated the, the, the coming of the Messiah, you think about, okay, now all of a sudden this thing comes down, we see this light and the angel, the glory of God. And what happened? They were filled with great fear. This isn't something, we read it and then we just say, yeah, no fear, nothing sets in because we know the story. And after you read something for so long, you'd be kind of numb to it. But I think what it must have been like for them to see this for the very first time, to think when they prayed over this and they knew and they had this great expectation of the coming of the Messiah. And then here, they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. How did he know that? Because he knew exactly how man would react. He was trying to put him in a place of comfort. Fear not, for behold... I bring you good news, right? There's the gospel, the good news, the good news. The gospel was not a coined word from Christianity. It was coined from the Romans because the good news was the gospel. They use the word gospel even in secular terms. I bring you good news of the great joy that will be for all the people, all, not just some, 
all. For unto you born is this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord and will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel of a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he has pleased. Peace. Peace is an action word, like love. It's a verb. What does peace mean? So sometimes people mean peace. I'm just going to settle in and just peace is peace from conflict. Peace is that assurance from God that he gives us in our heart. Peace is that I could trust God in his promises. Peace is that expectation of hope, that anticipated expectation, not like the hope on this side of, of heaven, not like uh, human or secular hope. Well, I hope I have that house. That's all he's talking about. He's talking about the hope that's expectant hope, right? That's promised in our scriptures. That's peace. When people ask me, Bob, define how you feel in your relationship with Christ. Two things. I'm liberated and I'm at peace. Now, peace doesn't mean I'm always calm and I'm always not uh, OCD and all that, whatever that is. But peace means I have that peace and knowing I got a relationship. I know that where I am in him and where he is in me. That's peace. That's knowing where I'm at. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I don't have to figure none of that out. Peace. Do you have that kind of peace? Do you ask yourself, are you experiencing that kind of peace with Christ in your own relationship? That's the destination. Matthew 2, 7 through 12 says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. We know that's a lie. After listening to the king, they went out on their way and behold, the star that they had seen. When it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced. And listen to this word, exceedingly with great joy. When's the last time you've had that kind of joy? Exceedingly. I know we get together, we're like happy. I, I, I get it. But I think, what, what does it exceedingly look like? Do people that come to know us in our faith, do they say, man, I don't know what it is, man. These people are just nuts for this Jesus. Look, look how, you know, the world will look at us and they don't understand. I tell people happiness is a 30-day cycle. That's getting that new car. That's that whatever the new furniture is. But joy is a lifetime. Can we experience that exceedingly, that joy for our relationship with Jesus Christ exceedingly all the time? How do we do that? We do that through our cultivation of our prayer, being with each other. We celebrate our victories and we even celebrate our failures because we know we're still loved by God, Right? I love it. Rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It's more than just showing up here on a Christmas Eve or on a, on a Sunday morning. It's how we walk out. Or did we, did we celebrate our time together? Do we celebrate this precious word that we're going through right now? This is the written word of God. This is God incarnate in word print. What a great joy we have compared to other religions out there that are struggling, thinking they have to work their way to heaven, which we know is not true. God would have never sent his son for us to, us to work our way back to him. He didn't do that. He gives us grace. Deep as any ocean, far from the east as the west, high as the north and the south. Matthew 2, 7 through says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. When's the last time we fell down? Yesterday when I was here alone, there was a period of time when, man, I just started to ball. I was, going, I was worshiping with those songs, and, and, and it was the second song. And I just came here and I fell down right here. 
I just, I just couldn't stand on my feet any longer. Every time I, I, I said the name of Jesus or, or, the issue or whatever, I just felt like, God, I got to fall to my knees. And I, right there, I sat on my knees, bawling. I saw a child marrying his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Maybe we need to have a little more emails than emails. Maybe we need to learn to fall to our knees. How do we do that? We got two perfectly good little kneelers here we can kneel on. We'll figure to probably have more in our other church. We'd like to have them in most of our rooms because I believe that's probably one of the most important tools right there, pieces of furniture right there, kneelers. Then opening the treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, they, they, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country and the other way. And I thought about, okay, so they come to him and they worship him and they bring these treasures to him. I wonder what am I bringing to him each time I'm before him each day? What... Am I bringing something to, the, to his, his altar every day when I come to God? My heart, my, 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 my love, what do I place on that altar? And I go back to the book of Malachi when it was like, wait a minute, you, you, you think you're honoring, you're putting seconds, you know, at the end of the day, have I given him my second best? He wants our best, right? That's, I think that's the greatest gift we can give to our Lord and Savior every single day. In 1 John 4, 18 through 19, it says, again, here it is, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. What does that perfect love look like? I can tell you, we can look at the scriptures, we'll break it down, look at some of it. No fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he loved us first. So here's part of the problem. When, uh, when you break this down, you say, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected. That's a perfect analogy right there. God's telling us that's the cause and effect, right? If you're fearing and you're having problems over here, that's a, that's a signal to say, look, you're not perfected in love. You still got to work on this. Why do you work on it? Prayer, worship, constantly that, that refining. God, refine me. If that's in there, Lord, refine me. Take that fear away. Fear is what? Fear is the unknown. Fear is not getting it. Fear is I have to know the answers. Fear is stepping into something that maybe you've never stepped into before and say, Lord, I don't know if I could trust you, God. I fear what's gonna happen. I fear that where I'm, where, where I'm heading. I fear that you're calling me to do something I'm not comfortable with. And you gotta look at your own selves, I think, and ask yourselves, your fear whatever, wherever it is, is going to be different than my fear. And I'm sure there was commonalities we were we sharing together as human beings. But you have to ask yourself, what, what is it maybe, is there something going on in your life that you have fear about? And, you, and you, you need to put it on the altar. Just like we talked about forgiveness this morning, or we talked about, uh, what was the uh, part of the Bible study where it was like, if you, uh, grudges, if you hold a grudge, the person you hold a grudge, they don't, they don't know that. Same with fear. What is it you're fearful from? Gotta let that go. Because then you start working towards your perfection and love, that real, authentic, genuine love. Dear friends, let us love, and I love this, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves. So every time I see this word, loves, 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 I'm thinking, okay, so what does that mean? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for my wife? Because the bottom line is, we're not gonna love the same. It's impossible because we all grow up differently. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. So there's your answer right there. The only way we're going to know to love is to go to the scriptures and say, God, can you show me what it is to love? I need to look into scriptures so I can define it, so I can see it. Now I can start working to aspire towards that kind of love. Let us love one another, for God, love comes from God. 
If it comes from God, then God's gonna provide us the tools to love like him. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So there's another answer right there. So if they haven't been born yet and you're looking at somebody that doesn't love you the same way or doesn't love as God does, it's no surprise. I get people all the time, did you see how she acted? Did you see how he acted? Well, are they saved? Do they feel the Holy Spirit? Well, well, no, well, well, why be surprised? The surprise is when you are around people that are saved, that are professing Christians or professing followers of Christ, right? Because we have the scriptures to assess. Whoever does not love does not know God, period. It's right there. Whoever does not love does not know God. So cause and effect. To know God, I gotta learn how to love, right? Because love comes from God. See how we, it's amazing, all these answers right here. Because God is love, and if God is love, then again, I gotta aspire to learn what it is I have to achieve to be, to love like God. He sent his one and only son in the world. This is an amazing scripture, support scripture. He sent his one and only son in the world that we might, hear that, might, why? Because people don't always choose to live through him, that we might live through him. God's saying, I sent my only son that whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life, but they might, they might live through him because we still have the free will. Oh, I'm a Christian, I go to church. I'm a Christian, I, I, I'm saved. But we know a lot of people choose to be saved and then they just walk away and think, that's it. They're not living their life through him, but that's what it says. That might live through him, right? This is love. The scriptures are clear. When I ask people, do you believe these to be inspired? Yes. Do you believe these to be the, 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 the most important uh, words from God that they're uh, not only uh, uh, the instrumental part, they're inspirational, but they're the real true word of God. They're authentic. Do you believe? Yeah. But it says that might live. It's a choice. Not that we loved God, but he loved us. See, just, yeah. right? And sent his son for the atoning sacrifice of our sins. He sent his son to take on our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So when people outside of the church, outside of this family that we have, and I mean the family of God, they see people bickering. They see people splitting churches. They see people hating each other. Why, they don't see God in that. You know what they see? They see a bunch of people they're going to church, saying that they're Christians that hate each other. And you know what they say? That's why we don't go to church. It's no different. This is it right here. This is what it says. Look, the atoning sacrifice of dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. I love that. This is really key. No one has ever seen God, but if we love, say if, if, if we love one another, God lives in us and love is made complete in us. So how are people gonna see God without seeing God? They see God in us. Man, look at those people. There's something awful. And I'm not talking about kumbaya. I'm talking about authentic, genuine love. I believe that's exactly based on those scriptures. How are people gonna see God? They're gonna see it in you, 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 Mark, all this in this room, me, right? Dear friends, and I love that, dear friends, <laughs> dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Yes. That's a simple, it's just simple. It's not, it's not rocket scientist, rocket science, I'm sorry. No one has ever seen God, wow. First Corinthians 3, 4, 7, we know we call this the love chapter. Now, as I was going through this, the, I love this, there's a lot of the is nots, if you pay attention to the is nots, and then there is the always. So I want you to pay attention to these. Love is patient, right? So patience for each and every one of us is gonna be different. 
What's your tolerance of patience? What's your level that you reach and say, I, I can get to here, and, and, and that's about it for me. And yet you look at God, and God's patient beyond our human comprehension. He's <laughs> patient with me, patient with you. But we're going to put up, we're going we're gonna, to, I'm going to give it this much. So here's the issue. If you give this much, can you, that means everything above that to the heavens. You're not going to give. Love is patient. And for each one of us in the room, that patience is going to mean something very different. Like I said, when I wake up in the morning, man, I can't wait. I'm already up like from dark 30, man. I've been studying, I've been reading. I, something's brain, I want to talk to Sandy. She, I can hear her tip down the hall. I mean, I'm running. I'm ready to, hey, buddy, she goes, don't. I, I, I need to wake up. I mean, her eyes are all puffy from waking up. Patient, right? There's times when I'll start talking things stuff and, and, and Sandy sometimes I can tell she's, if she's going at 120 miles an hour her patience level's like this with me and I'll tell her hey just please be patient with me please be patient so everybody has that level but what about God's level if we compare right if we're going to love like God then shouldn't we have patience like God like he has with us it's almost impossible when you think about it I always ask God did you set us up for failure did you set us up for Lord did you is this where's the lie in this there is no patience the lie, it says love is kind. That's a lie. If the world looks at it and says, love isn't kind, love isn't patient, your self-directed attitudes, we see what you do, it's, that's a lie. Of course it's not a lie, because we're believers, we're followers of Christ. But I'm telling you, when you look at the lie and you say there's lies in those scriptures, that's what the world does. That's what the world, I saw how they acted with each other. I saw that guy at the restaurant yelling and screaming. I saw him yell at that waitress. He had no patience, he wasn't kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. When I was ordained, I remember when Dr. Lyons shared in our sermon about ministry jealousies. That's a natural part. I'm not, I didn't understand what all that meant back then. Ministry jealousies, that you're okay as long, when you're down and out, nobody wants to be like you or envy you or take credit for what you do. But man, when you start rising up to the top, everybody wants to jump on board. Everybody wants to take it. Everybody wants to, to boast in your successes. But really, it's not ours at all. It's all through Jesus Christ, amen? It does not boast. Look what I did. So this is why I always tell people, look, when I, you, you know, everybody in this room know, technology and social media, it is a part of culture today. I will post and post and post, why? Because the more classes I attend, even these two hours, I'll be on again tonight, this is where the world is. We have a world that doesn't even show up physically anymore because of COVID. So how do you meet them? You meet them on social media. And there's ways now being developed to gather churches together, actually do things differently. What attracts people? How do you get them down to the cell phones? It's good technology. It is not pressed. So it's not about boasting. I'll tell you, look, I do because I want people to see what we're doing in the church so that maybe they're going to see it and say, man, I want to be part of that ministry. It's not a bragamony. It does not dishonor others. It, does, it is not self-seeking. It does not easily be angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. At what level are we in, in each and every one of those? Dishonor, self-seeking, not easily angered, no record of wrongs. Love does not delight evil, but, hey, but, there's the buts, but rejoices with the truth. What's truth? Truth is God. God is truth. It always protects. What does that mean, always protects? Protects what? That's a, it's a lie. What is it protecting? How about protecting your faith? And I don't mean like, hey, defending your faith. 
We don't have to defend Jesus Christ. When I think about protection, I think about my family. I think about uh, uh, when, when I'm in defense of scriptures, when I'm talking to somebody, tells me they don't believe in the Bible, that they don't believe in, in, in none of the scriptures. I ask them, tell me which scripture, tell me which book in the Bible that you don't believe in. And normally they can't share that. So I said, let's have a cup of coffee. I'd love to at least walk you through this. What are you protecting? Always trust. Trust what? Trust who? Trust God, right? Because if we, if we just lean on ourselves, I could trust you because I know the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. That, that, that we have to know. But trust what? How does, how does my wife trust me completely? How do I trust my wife? How do I trust my kids? How do I trust you? How do you trust me? It's built on a relationship, isn't it? Based on truth. It's still going to go back to God. If I know God, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Why do you do that? Because they knew we had this incredible relationship with Christ. Trust. Protect. Always hopes. There's that expectant hope, that expectant hope in Christ, right? You keep your promise. I can put my hope completely in that. Expectant. Always preserves. Love always preserves. What kind of love? It goes back to the love of God. Amen. 8 through 13 says, love never fails. So if there's failure and people say love failed, it's certainly not the love of God. I think humanity has a shallow love. We try. We try. We try to give it our best. I believe what we do. But I believe, I don't know about humanity having that full capability to love beyond a shallow love. We try. We try. I really believe that with all my heart. But I think the closer we get to building our relationship with Jesus Christ, does that get better and deeper and wider? Yes. It's impossible that it would be any other way. Yes. How do I know? Because before I gave my life to Christ, I experienced love in my life and I was making choices that were plainly wrong. I give my life, I remember when I started dating Santa, I remember we went through marriage mentorship. I remember when we were going through all that stuff that we had to go through before we could get married. I remember telling somebody, for the first time in my love, I'm sorry, first time in my life, I've learned to love, I believe, the way God wanted us to love each other. And we both admitted that. There was no, I mean, we, we I went over her house, I had to leave at 10 o'clock, nothing, no hanky-panky, nothing. So we had to go home. We couldn't even kiss. I remember going through a class teaching how to kiss, right? I'm thinking, man, like I'm in the 30s, I'm learning how to kiss properly. I didn't, but we did it. We did it. And now, I think that was a great part of the center of our marriage that we've learned to love that way. Love never fails. And when I'm, I'm officiating marriages, I tell people, love never fails, but I want you to look at the person standing in front of you because you're looking at a flawed diamond. And I want you to look at your, each other's hands because those hands will either hurt each other or you're gonna hold on to each other. You'll love each other. You'll, you'll, you'll pacify each other. But, but love will never fail. And you gotta have the love of God in that marriage. Same with the marriage we have with Christ. We're the bride, right? But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part that we prophesy in part, but completeness, but when completeness, I love this, when completeness comes, I love it, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childhood, uh, of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But 
the greatest of these is love. So you can be people who say, but I got a great faith, but I don't, can't stand that person. I got great faith, but I, my hope is about this wide. But love, right? I believe if we learn to love like God wants us to love, the faith and the hope, it all comes in line with it. Why? Because we strive, we aspire to love like God loves, amen? He gives us exactly what we need to do. But the greatest of these is love. And if God is saying to us, the greatest of these are love, that's what we should be focusing on. This second week of Advent, this week as we prepare for the birth of our Lord and Savior, we should walk away thinking, Lord, how do I love like you? Starting today, Lord, have I missed something? And maybe some of you are you're already there. But it's a good question just to sit and ponder through the day and go, Lord, am I loving like you? And what is that? And Lord, could you help me understand what that means? How do you know you're loving like God loves? How could you be sure? How could I be sure? I have to go back to the scriptures and really dig that out. And then I thought, and, and this is where I'm going to end, because I thought, here's a heavenly father that loves you and I so much that he knows we have fear in our hearts. We know that uh, as life, as we face our mortality, it comes to that, 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 that finality that people think on earth. But really, if you're a Christian, you have a birth date, you don't have an end date, just a flesh end date, you know? But I thought God was so, he loves us so much that he gave us scriptures to say, don't, don't worry, I got this, you're, you're coming, I'm coming to get you. So what does he say? Do not let your heart be troubled. Because I've talked to people, I have friends that are chaplains. And, and, and she, we, and, I, and I remember when I used to go to hospice myself, how some believers, even though I knew them for a long time, from the appearance, you would think they had no problem with this transitioning. Some did. Some all of a sudden, their hope wasn't there. Their faith wasn't there. They lost this, oh, um, the fear was there. And yet I've been in bedsides with some that it was the most peaceful transition. Not a, it's just amazing. And I remember when I started going and I was set bedsides when people would transition, how I started facing my own mortality thinking, am I able to go through that transition like she just did? Am I gonna live in fear? Am I gonna start, am I gonna have a troubled heart? But you see, he loves us enough. God told us, look, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. That's, that, that, that would be the first lie, if there's a lie. If you don't believe in God, then your hearts are gonna be pretty troubled. At least a certain part, you have to get to a level of believing in God that you get to that point where, okay, I'm, I'm not troubled anymore. I really believe you, God. How does that happen? It happens in your Bible studies. It happens in our home groups. It happens in our scriptures. It happens in your time alone, right? It's a constant building in this relationship. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you and that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? How sweet is that? Hey, by the way, I'm going, I got a place for you all ready to go. It's gonna be okay. And if I go to prayer place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you almost will be where I am. What a great promise of hope, right? We should be able to just put that on our refrigerators and every day look at it because we know we've been dying since the day we were born, right? We know this. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Bam, right there. We talk about it. We have studies about it. We have sermons about it. We have one-on-one -on -one conversations about it. You know the place where I'm going. Why? Because he says, you believe in God and you believe it also in me. Okay, so you know. And by the way, I love you so much. Not only do I love the world that I give you trust of you, but you don't have to worry. Don't, don't let your heart be troubled. I got a place for you all ready to go and I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back and you're gonna, I'm gonna take it with me to, to be where I am. Is that awesome or what? That's love, right? 
I think about my kids. I think about your children, your grandchildren. I think some of you tell me stories about your kids I grew up, right? You always had that place for them, didn't you? When they come home at the end of the day, didn't you have a house for them? When you picked them up at school or that bus route, didn't they always know mom and dad have a place for me? They may not have thought in those terms, but you know what I'm saying? I remember I got like walk up the thing right across the street, right, right into the house. Always had that place. Even when I go home now, I think, you know what? I can leave here, girl. I'm going to go home. Think about this eternal home with, 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 with Christ, right? Salvation, love, right? It's hard to even comprehend. But he loves you that much. So this week, I think the takeaway would be, I would make a list like I did. <laughs> just maybe just a little list like this. What are the things that you love? Write them down. Maybe you call somebody in here and share that with them. What are those little things that you love? And then maybe talk about God's love. And, and ask yourself, how do these compare to what God's love is? Amen? And these are not bad things. They're just things that I love. But I can tell you right now, not one of them compared to the love of God. I know they don't. And I feel extremely blessed to be able to love the things that I have and, and the things that God's have provided for me and my wife and my relationships and my babies and, and you. And, but these are just temporary things. The love that we will spend eternity, that I will spend in heaven with my Lord and Savior I can't even comprehend that he loves me that much that when he created me, the plan of life was to redeem me back so I could be in eternity with him. So that when you were born and you were in your mother's womb, God already had planned for whatever you're doing that he was gonna redeem you back to him, that by choice, you're gonna spend eternity with him, amen? And that means for everybody that's watching in. So let me pray, then Leah's gonna come up. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your incredible scriptures, Father God. The reminders that keep us just focused on that hope, focused on that love. God, we want to love like you do, God. And Lord, we pray out against any fear, Father, because perfect love casts out fear. And if we turn that around and we start saying, well, fear casts out perfect love, Father, we know that's a lie. That's the lie. Because God, we want to have that perfect love. We want to, Father God, we want to just uh, uh, bask in, in your love, Father God, as you open your, like the wings of eagles, as you surround your arms around us, God. And Lord, that we would all want to, because I pray an anointing over each person here, that they would experience that total liberation and, and freedom, Father God, and peace, Father God. That's what you have in your word. For those that are struggling right now, Father God, that may not have this, that are watching online, that may not even turn their life over to you, I pray, Father, they would fall to their knees and just say, Lord, I need you now. I pray for those that are suffering right now, just Lord, they don't know which way to turn. They're in chaos and crazy. It's just, it's just nuts with the COVID, Father God. And some have not even have their jobs to go to, Lord. So I pray an, an anointing of peace over them, God. But I know, Lord, you are the answer. If somebody is watching right now that needs you, Lord, that they would just raise their hands up and say, Lord, I need you. I turn my life over to you. Lord, I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior from this day forward. I admit I'm a sinner. And that, Father, your son died at the cross and sits at the right hand of the Father. And I want to serve you. Make me who you need me to be. From this day forward, I will serve you and love you. In your precious and holy name, the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Good morning. That was a good sermon on love. And um, I like the, the, the part of it that said, perfect love casts out fear. We have nothing to fear. Be in prayer for um, those that are sick, um, those that um, need our prayer, um, whether it's physically or spiritually. 
just uh, keep them in your prayers. There's a lot of lists that we can make of what, who we can pray for, our community, um, our leadership. Keep them, everyone, in prayer. Continue to pray for Gail. She's making progress, but she's got a long way to go. So keep her in your prayers. And um, Pam's going to be uh, giving some cards to her. And so if you haven't signed them, uh, go back and put your signature on it and give her a little note um, to encourage her. Because that's one of the things that Gail always did was that she was a giver. And she gave and cards and, and little things to let you know how much um, she loved each and every one of you. So keep her in your prayers daily. Um, and then we're in a new quarter. I cannot believe it. It's December already. And so we have our new Light from the Word daily devotional. And if you know someone that uh, needs one, um, take one and and share it with them. We also have our vistas and we have a lot of uh, previous ones that if you're out and going to somewhere, to a hospital or a doctor's office or, or to uh, someone's house or to a nursing home, take some of these and uh, share them because there's so much good things that um, are in here. And then we've started a new quarter in our Bible study on Sunday morning at eight o'clock. And so we have um, books that if you want to come and join us, we would love for you to join us at eight o'clock on Sunday mornings. And we have good discussion and um, we have good leadership. We just uh, love our Sunday morning uh, time to uh, search the scripture and the Bible study is just phenomenal. And it's a really good uh, time to know uh, God's word, but be able to share it and give some of our insight uh, back and forth. Um, good discussions go on in our Bible study. So we have those available if you'd like one of those. And so we thank you for your um, tithes and your offerings that have been coming into the church. And I'm going to be praying for God's blessing over each and every one of you um, that has given um, through Throughout this year, this year is coming to a close, and God has blessed us, and He's going to continue. And so, I'm going to uh, right now pray for um, our offerings that have been coming in, and what God is going to bless us with in the future. So, Lord, we just come to you, thanking you for your love and your grace. And I thank you that um, you loved us so much that um, you give us that desire to love others. We pray for our community and our leadership and um, those that are sick. And uh, we pray for an intervention in this COVID um, that you will help us to look to you. We pray for your complete healing of those that need to be healed, whether it's physical or spiritually, Lord. Help us as we go out in our community that we can give the hope that you have to someone that needs it. We just thank you again for your blessing on us, and we just pray your blessing on our tithes and offerings as it comes back to you. And may we be good stewards of your gift that you have given to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to have an awesome week in love. May the Lord just...
shine his face upon you and just be gracious to you. And may you just, I pray you just rock your world every day. Just rock your world. We get to serve an, a mighty, mighty God, don't we? We really do. Where else would you want to be? What else would you want to do with your life? I, I don't know. Mark and I, we, that's the first thing we talk about. Like, we can, three hours sometimes. I don't know what we do. There's nothing, right? It's exciting. And we thank you. If you watch online, Lord's blessings upon each and every one of you. May the Lord be gracious to you and watch over you and be loved. Know that you're loved.